Check mic one. Check mic two. Mic three. Check mic four. Hey, well, shit, man. I'm glad we decided to bring the mics to document this. All right, uh, looks like everybody's... Wait, wait a minute. There, there, there's Brad and Brad and... Damn it, buddy! Why are you eating on somebody's tombstone? It's really good. <laughs> Pepperoni and got the little sausages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More for me. Where, where's where's Chris, Chris? Wait, there is that Chris coming up? Chris, where the f- have you been? You're late. There was a time. Oh, there was. Uh, I, I'll, I'll deal with that later. Brad, do you have the stuff? Sorry, just oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, hold on. Let me, uh, I got it. Yeah, here you go. All right. Um, um, Wait, we had to bring stuff? Was this in the email that I don't look at? No, Chris, this, this is for the ritual. See, see, look, the ritual said we have to get provide three Walmart $5 bin DVDs. Looks like there's a collection including, oh, oh some Happy Feet's there. Um, You're welcome. <sighs> Let's see, uh, is that a, a vial of Jake Gyllenhaal sweat? How did you get that? All right, and um, the, went the through Maggie Jill and all. Let's huh, look. How did you find the original script? Don't don't ask questions. Just just accept it and move on. Okay. Oh, guys. <laughs> oh, guys, guys. You watching the Matrix? I also I also brought tacos. I showed you some pizza. We'll, we'll worry about the tacos after after we do this, Chris. Why not now? Dead on it, Chris. Chris. All right, so ritual says not a, not we, we, we put the items down on the altar, set them on fire, and pray that it accepts them. So here goes. You guys feel that? No. That's from the pizza. Oh no. Oh, 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 oh. oh shit. Gentlemen, please introduce yourselves and tell our lovely listeners about what you're sipping on this evening. Um, I have a can of Diet Pepsi because I'm watching my figure, and uh, a bottle of water because my liver hurts. <laughs> smart man, smart man, can't get dehydrated these days. Uh, uh, yeah, buddy here, uh, just chilling. Glad to be back. I am drinking. Uh, it seems like it might be a new favorite. Might stay around for a bit. Uh, Golden State Brew, Ooh, Golden State Cerveza from Golden Road Brewing. Uh, they have a nice little setup down here in California, about a few minutes from my place. 
Uh, really enjoy their beers. Really enjoy their food. They have a really great like kimchi bowl they, too, which they actually have like in general their beers are always good. So yeah. I, I approve. I approve. They, they know what they're doing. They're like a brewery that serves food, so it's it's great. It's amazing. So uh, I finally picked up some of their beers. Glad to support them. Um, glad to be here and excited to talk about Scream. Yeah, it is Chris. Uh, you might know me by. My many, many nicknames. Uh, we got a Squatch Daddy. Dot uh, Yes, yes, Dot Steiner. Dud Jackson. Would, do you have like a specifically Oktoberfest name? No. We, last year was the first Ooh. year we did not give him an Oktoberfest name. No, Ooh. we didn't. Ooh. That's just like maybe in, maybe we'll right. come up with one in week three. Pumpkin brew. First. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, where, where was I? Dot uh, Steiner. Jank. Uh, Jangles Montgomery. Your Bible Pastor Extraordinaire. Yes, uh, I keep forgetting Taco Warning. Silky, Silky Johnson. Oh, yeah, Silky hey, Johnson. But, but can uh, we. Uh, uh, no, I'm not done saying my oh, other ones. Oh, come yes, on. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's, that's Superstar? <laughs> no, no that's, that's not one of them. Lost my train of thought. Thanks, Brad. Oh, oh no, yes, uh, we, got, we, got, we, got, we got Herschel Wynn. Mm. Haven't said that one in a while. <laughs> uh, the rap alter ego, Young Dim Sum. Yeah. <laughs> With his new hit, Dumplings. Come out soon. <laughs> well, uh, Buddy's hearing this for the first time. The oh, no, no, called. no, no. He'll find out next week. The, oh, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great album, Todd. Yes. I'll tell you what. <laughs> But uh, we, we definitely, definitely forget the nickname that has all grown near and dear to us all. Mm-hmm. <gasps> what, oh, yes. what is it? Yes, yeah, Redneck Kayu Nasha. Good going, Good <laughs> And boy, what is uh, what is the Redneck Kayu Nasha drinking? Mm. Uh, I, I, I'm holding this in. It's actually a ball jar because I'm a redneck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's what kind of the uh, kind of, uh, moonshine? So, uh, ice, and uh, it's basically a soto, whatever the hell you want to call it, on ice from Desert Door Distilling out in... That's cool, man. All right. I think they're out of Dripping Sprinkle, technically. Is it, you guys all know Chris is a man of a million nicknames, and you too can add to this growing list of nicknames if you subscribe to our Patreon. For just as little as $1 a month, even you too can be adding to Chris's nicknames, and he'll gladly be called whatever you want if you pay him enough. Within um, reason. Nothing, nothing racist, guys. No, nothing nothing racist right or egregious within yeah. reason. Um, yeah. Bradley, uh, you're next. Yeah. It is Oktoberfest. (laughs) Um, So I am going to be drinking October E style beers. So right now I have Rogue Pumpkin Patch Ale. And it is an ale brewed with roasted pumpkins. And it's actually. So they they do a pumpkin patch style ale every year. Um, But this one. This yeah, the can is really cool. This one is not as good as last year, but it's really good. Uh, And I forgot to mention that. Throughout every episode of the podcast, you will hear this noise. Arima! (laughs) (laughs) And that noise indicates that I am one step closer to falling in front of the killer and being their first victim. Well, guys, normally this would be by the time of the show where we'd cut off to our sponsors become shameless shills. But since we're a new podcast, we don't have any sponsors, but we do have some people we wish were sponsored us this week. And Chris, who are those people? Uh, First and foremost, if you want to sponsor our fine podcast and, uh, you know, just... 
I want give us some free stuff to test out or like help us help you gain some revenue. Send it into the things at the end of the show that I apparently don't have access to because no one here trusts me. That's fair. Yep, fair. Mm-hmm. Ah, but for this week, man, uh, we get, of course we got a wonderful sponsor of uh, Hard Rice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, true story. Uh, I once was faced with adversity uh, running through the woods away from someone. And then, uh, you know, I person went off somewhere else. And I reached in my bag, y'all. And I forgot I had packed this hard rice in case for emergencies. So what I do, uh, I got some hard rice. I found a stick, a pretty durable one. And I, like, basically barbed wire it with the hard rice. So, and the folks that that person came running, chasing me after, hit him once in the gut like uh, Cactus Jack. You had barbed rice. Yeah, yeah, didn't bother me anymore. Oh, oh, guys, guys, okay. uh, the, other, the other thing, uh, I heard from one of our new war sponsors recently, uh, oh. Messengers, uh, Carrier Sharks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, How yeah. are they doing? Oh, Nothing they're doing like good. Uh, or anything? No, no, no. Uh, so that Sasquatch, not the Sasquatch package, the Megalodon package. Uh, uh, true oh. story, I had, I had sent that what to is uh, something. I had sent that to someone who was being a real jerk to me and, uh, you know, after that message, they flat out apologized because, uh, you know, Magical Dawn. <laughs> Big Jonah and the whale thing. Everybody you know, just came like right out of the toilet while they were on it. Just, wow. Yeah, and now uh, just imagine that with like Megalodon and man. Worth puts a whole dollar. new perspective. Puts a whole new perspective on life. Tell you what. Oh nope. man! I maybe we're going to have to uh, get Olivia to to really look into the logistics of this service, and if we might well, get sued by somebody well, shark pop out of their mailbox. Well, um, well, this is a business expense on Avery's time, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that that's that's a negative. Uh, um, oh, trust me, it's a negative on your bank account too. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, speaking of Olivia, um, uh, before, you know, before our, our ritual, um, I actually had Olivia go and, and grab some stuff for us. Um, I don't know how she procured it, but, um, I, I, I think she somehow went and acquired the original ghost face mask. I'm not going to ask her how she got it. Okay. I, now I will pay the intern because that is, <laughs> that is skills. That is uh, probably a West Creek uh, house or something. I don't have that kind of money. This is coming out of Avery's paycheck. The original Ghostface mask came out about five years before this movie. Yeah. What? Uh, I was wondering where they came up with it. Because yeah. it's iconic now, you know? Yeah. It is well, iconic. You know, now now that we've we've, we've certainly, you know, uh, belabored the point. Guys, this week the Brew Dudes are covering two... Oh, Scavenging, 1996's Yeah, put some respect on that. That nostalgia. Eight, a movie that redefined the horror genre. Um, however, before we get to that, this is your spoiler warning. Everything we say from this point forward can and will be a complete and total spoiler about this movie. Thus, if you have not seen it, please pause this podcast, go watch it, and come back. We'll wait. Have you not seen this yet? Six. How many? How many sequels do they have? Twenty. No. What's a TV show? Four. Oh, the TV show is one of my 
Yeah, yeah. yeah TV is one of my favorites. It's four like plus the TV show. And the, the TV show has three seasons. Yeah. Um, one so, of pleasure shows. Anyway, get back. Did not enjoy it. <laughs> Good. Scream is a story of Sydney Prescott, who, after mourning the death of her mother, excuse me, after mourning the murder of her mother, is subject to a, a series of terrifying murders in her town. Um, by a pair, <laughs> oh yeah, by a pair of individuals obsessed with horror movies and the trappings therein. This movie, this movie, it's, it's is, a year after her mother's murder. It's a year after her mother's murder. I mean, she's she's still dealing with her mother's murder, but that's true. This, this movie is. This is for a lot of people their first real entry into the horror genre, but it also for the entire genre was its revitalization point because during the late, during the the late eighties, all the way through the nineties, the horror genre had been beat to holy hell, especially slasher films, um, Jason sequels, every and all the Slumber Party Massacre, yeah, uh, Freddy Krueger movies and his Michael oh, Myers oh, movies. My personal favorite, Chopping Mall. Yeah, chopping. Yeah, like yeah. It, was, it has nothing to do with chopping. It has everything to do with malls, though. It was one of those Roger Corman films. This movie is interesting. In fact, like we said, this comes after a slew of just horrible horror movie films, and especially deluge or slasher films. So we get to this point where Wes, Wes Craven is coming off of a lot of big films in his career, um, and they're sort of they they ask him to man this film, which at this one was called. Scary movie. It was oh, it was yeah. not called Scream in the beginning, and it was meant to be this meta take on the horror genre because it was it was sort of restarting what we know about it. It was kind of meant to be sort of tongue in cheek about the horror genre while still being a horror film. Um, and uh, the rest is kind of history from there because it is due to this movie that horror films started to become meta. They started to make fun of the things that they're known for, like. Like, it was so smart. It was like, like this came out. I feel like when I was probably like what I don't know, I don't know. I was seven. I was seven at the time, uh, and it really threw me into the horror movie franchise. I remember being in school, asking my friends who had seen the movie, "What happens at the end? How do they kill the killer?" And I, Wait, we're like the same the, age. Yeah, That's weird, all I'm right? getting from this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Brad, you're you're a couple months older than us. Yeah, uh, I always forget like, that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember asking like my classmates like so how do they kill him and I got like 14 different versions of like how they killed the killer and I'm like that doesn't sound right that doesn't sound right even like a young age that's how obsessed I was with this movie and trying to like watch it like I remember when it finally came out on, on like VHS at like Blockbuster I was so excited to watch it but then my parents wouldn't let me watch it so I had another obstacle and then like eventually as all good older brothers do I found he had a copy that was a bootleg copy that I watched, and I finally, finally watched that movie. I think I ended up watching Scream 2 before I even saw Scream 1. Um, so, but this, this movie was really important just to me as a horror fan growing up because, like Avery said, it sort of revitalized the horror franchise. With this, we got um, I Know What You Did Last Summer. I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, we got urban legends, urban, um, yeah, urban legend, urban legends, um, final destination, yeah, yeah um, and, and it was like smart horror films that weren't about just the slashing and killing. They wanted an extra layer to it, and to grow up in that era really helped shape my love and affinity for horror. And 
got me into other horror movies like Child's Play and like Chucky and um, the Halloween movies and those franchises afterwards. And um, I, I really credit this movie for really helping me as a writer and as a connoisseur of horror films. So uh, really enjoyed it. So yeah. I'm excited to talk about it today. Yeah, it's this movie's great, and there's there's some there's some points I want to make as we get through the movie. However, first I want to talk about the beginning of this movie because it's kind of the it's legitimately the most iconic part of the movie. Um, Man, it's the beginning of the movie. she was acting. Where, where we're introduced to uh, Casey Becker, played by Drew Barrymore, who at this time was Hollywood's darling. Like Drew Barrymore in 1996 was the she was the girl in Hollywood. Yeah, um, she was cool to play. She was, yeah, and so that's what I was gonna get to. She originally, when the script was in, um, you know, it's it's, it's, it's yeah, it's development. I was gonna say alpha stages. I'm still thinking about video games. Um, <laughs> when it was in its development, she was originally the first person they thought of making Sydney Campbell. Um, however, and she signed on. She was gonna be Sydney, but she had some other projects going on outside of that, and so she wasn't gonna be able to be at the set all the time. So instead, she turned down being Sydney, but decides that, it, well, let me be this character because she wanted to lend her fame to help the movie, which that, that tells you a lot about who Drew is. Like, she's like, hey, I can't be there, but I still want this movie to succeed. So I'm going to lend my face and my lend my name to this. And she's the first face you see. Like, and, um, you know, it, it starts out with, with Casey, who is at home getting ready to, you know, watch a movie. She's making stovetop popcorn in 1996, which was old even then. Um, and I, I'm waiting, uh, you know, if Brad is going to die on the inside because Cinema Sins even makes fun of that. Uh, <laughs> he's like, like stovetop popcorn in 1996, that was an old acquainted thing then. And we're thinking about it now in 2021. But, you know, after that, she gets a, phone, gets a call on the phone and we hear the most iconic line of this franchise. And it became the tagline for the entire franchise. We hear, do you like scary movies? And this woman has a whole damn conversation with him. <laughs> so good. She has a whole ass conversation with him. She's like, um, I think as she's playing with the knives, right? out. <laughs> like I don't yeah. know. This sounds really good. <laughs> like, like, yeah, she's just, she's like having a whole thing, and you know the the conversation turns south because essentially things start to get creepy, and you know that he mentions you know she starts mentioning her boyfriend and all this that and the other, and probably the part that that makes me laugh is like she starts hanging up on him as it's getting creepy. <laughs> and then the third time he calls back, he's like, "You hang up on me, and I'll cut you like a fish." <laughs> like, and she's just like, "Oh," she was like, "Oh, uh, yo, he ain't playing, Bobby." <laughs> and you know, we started to get some really f-ed up moments after that, mainly because. Uh, he starts mentioning all the locked doors in her house and he plays the, the, the horror trivia, which, so he asked her, who is the killer in Friday the 13th, right? Mm-hmm. And she's so upset and she says, oh, I'm sorry, and before that we see that he has literally kidnapped her boyfriend and tied him to a chair. <laughs> the most important part. <laughs> she, she says, my boyfriend's on his way. And then he's like, oh yeah, go look outside. <laughs> he's here. Yeah, he's here. <laughs> he's here. <laughs> and so she asked him the question. Asked her the question, like, you know, um, what is uh, what, what, who's the killer? Fighter? And she's like, Jason. And he's like, you're wrong. And she's like, you know, Jason, Jason, Jason. I've seen the movie 20, 20 goddamn times. Yeah. And I'm just like, again, Cinema Sims points out, well, if you've seen the movie that many times, you would know 
Mrs. Voorhees is the killer in Friday the 13th. <laughs> oh, think about it. So he, he tells her she's wrong, and then she goes back and sees her boyfriend is gutted like a fish. <laughs> you know, that was actually one of the few times where I was like, like there's a hundred ways that image could have like ended up where it's just like, oh, you know, he's slouched over in the chair dead. But no, like his stomach was hanging out. You could see he had Wendy's like the night before. Like he was gutted. <laughs> like, he was... <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> he was gutted. Like it's intro and like that just added to like the stakes of it. You know, it, it didn't feel like it was just like any other horror movie at that point too, you know? It was smarter. And, well, going off of that, because we start to realize this isn't any other horror movie because like I said, Drew Barrymore at this time was was the Hollywood darling. And from this point, she gets attacked. And she she does have some moments where she fights back mm-hmm. against Ghostface, but by mm-hmm. and large, she is killed within like legit screaming distance of her parents who are now pulling back up and they can't save her and then Authority. she and then she's hung and disemboweled um and yeah. so this this like set off alarms in people's heads because due to drew barrymore's hollywood that's not you didn't kill a person with a name like that in a horror movie you just like didn't Scarlett Johansson or Jennifer Lawrence being murdered in the first half of our film, you know? Right, yeah. Like, like you, you don't you don't kill the character, you don't kill the character with an actor that has a name behind them. But Drew Barry that was actually Drew Barrymore's call. She thought it would be a better thing for the story if she died first to show that nobody is safe. Yeah. That's the uh, exact point I was gonna make. And I, I think that, you know, it worked out really well for them because then we're introduced to Nev Campbell. Who I cannot remember what show she was on. I know she had just come Party off. Do- okay, Party Five. I know she had just come Super. off of doing um, The Craft, um, where she played a supporting oh, yeah. role. This was actually her first leading role in Hollywood. Knocked um, it out the park. She didn't really have yeah. to do any, much else after this. Yeah, <laughs> was set. like it, it wasn't. Um, we're also we we get introduced to Courtney Cox, who was still high on her friend's fame because I think that I think Friends still had like another season or two after this movie. I think. Yeah. I think Friends ninety nine, so maybe three seasons. Um, that sounds about quite. Yeah, yeah. It's, but she plays she plays Gail <laughs> Feathers, who's covering murders. Um, and essentially at the school, they they know about the murder of Casey, but everybody's just like acting like nothing occurred. <laughs> just like they're everybody's just all chilling. Like, like, oh, yeah, Casey got killed? Oh, I guess I'm going to go to math. <laughs> 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 it's like a whole ass day, like, oh, this is what we're doing. Um, oh, then the, then the scene with the teacher, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, by the way, it's your turn. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's you know the the whole the whole thing was, was sort of strange. We also find out at this point that Sydney's mom too had been murdered a year prior. Um, so Sydney is yeah she is a character who is dealing with some some real trauma, um, and she's kind of you know having to deal with all this. She has a group of really shitty friends, <laughs> namely her boyfriend. Um, I'm trying to her, yeah, her boyfriend Billy played by Skeet Ulrich. Um, Tatum played by Rose McGowan uh, Stu played by Matthew Lillard who absolutely just killed it in some parts of this and then sometimes just way overacted uh, was, uh, was also in Scooby-Doo also in Scooby-Doo oh, and was also in SLC Punk I've never, I've never seen that but oh my god okay no people this, people this is how we feel about you Saying you've never watched The Matrix. 
Brad, this, we'll is talk about feel, this, this is how we we'll feel about, about you this. saying that you are Chris. Anyways, continue. Hold up. Brad. Is that even a sentence? I'm that was. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't understand your 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 exasperation at this. Like this is not a thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and so the last of her group of friends is another big name that was on this cast, which was Jamie Kennedy. Um, which I think he was coming up to think he was just coming off of or at the time doing the Jamie Kennedy experience. Um, yeah, they had a great cast. Yeah, this, this cast is pretty loaded. Eventually, eventually we're introduced to um, Deputy Dewey, played by David Arquette, who at this point, little little tidbit, he actually met Courtney Cox and they fell in love on set there and she eventually became Courtney Cox Arquette for a number of years. Um, nice. <laughs> Say it out loud, buddy. Say it out loud, buddy. Okay, so I guess by uh, by a vote of laughter, um, Chris's Halloween name is Pumpkin Spice Nate. <laughs> <laughs> So if you enjoy that, please leave us a response on the Patreon or on the Instagram. Wow. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but yeah, she, she, she has a group of really horrible friends. Um, we find out is is obsessed. Maybe not Jamie. Uh, Randy. His name is Randy. He's obsessed with horror films. Um, Matthew Lowe's character. Uh, Stu is kind of, I think he's Tatum's boyfriend, and then her own boyfriend, played by Skeet Ulrich, Billy, is kind of just a, a you know, a dickhead. Um, however, a weird the whole time. Like, I, I, yeah, he's in kind of, retrospect, there should have been no other suspects. He's <laughs> kind of strange, dude. The whole movie. Well, then the very the very next scene we're really introduced to is when uh, Sydney is at the house and she's waiting on Tatum. She too gets the phone call. Um, like, do you like scary movies? And she defies horror movie trope. She's like, no. <laughs> she's just like, she's just explaining. Yeah, yeah. She says she's like basically is insulting. She's like, it's always some big, you know, some big boot bimbo running around from a killer, you know, running upstairs and she should be running outside. Now, yeah. here, here's here's my thought process, right? I think that line is a relic from when Drew Barrymore was the main character. Because a lot of the lines that the characters say are in reference to their own character. Like later on in the movie, when uh, Randy is talking, he's like, Jamie, look behind you. Jamie, do this. He's referring to himself. But they're talking mm-hmm. about, he's talking about the Jamie. I think, especially, and, and just, just being honest, Drew Barrymore is much bustier than Nev Campbell. And so I think that line was sort of meant to be making fun of Drew Barrymore as Sydney. Um, and so, but also, but also, it makes fun of the trope that we saw very, very often in um, early—not uh, even early '90s, hell, even in the late '90s horror cinema, where it was always some girl who was very well endowed, um, usually doing something, some, usually running and doing something stupid that gets her killed by uh, the killer. Like in, uh, like in scary movie, they run yes. into what a classic. Yeah, yeah, scary movie was funny, and yeah, because in scary movie she ends up getting stabbed, and he pulls out her implant. <laughs> I was so confused at like nine years old. I was like, "What is that?" Yeah, that was... uh, so, also, slight note: um, <coughs> the, the killer like jumps out of the closet, like right, like that's when like the chase scene starts. But I was like watching this like 
video earlier about um, who this person was theorizing if it was spoiler alert, Stu or Billy in each of the scenes where it was the killer. Um, but he pointed out each time she opens up that closet in the house, there's like a musical cue of like, no, 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 no. And then like, as she walks by the closet, that's the first one. The second time, um, you can hear something creaking in the closet and she stops, but she doesn't investigate. She keeps walking. And then later on, it's like a little pattern Wes Craven has since sets up where it's like, beware of the closet. There's this musical cue, this creaking, and then the closet door opens and he springs out of it. Um, I just I thought that was incredibly smart to of Wes Craven. Yeah, that, you know, Wes Craven is kind of known as him and Clive Barker are kind of known as the masters of, of horror, especially during that that, that era. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's, he set up a lot of great stuff here because we also start to see that unlike a lot of the horror slashers that come before him, like Michael Myers, Pumpkinhead, Chucky, uh, Jason Voorhees, these guys are very clearly human because they're clumsy. Um, yeah, I love that. It comes to think of Ghostface. Ghostface is a rather clumsy killer. Like he's constantly being flipped, falls, trips, like all this other sorts of stuff. Look, um, I'm just saying, if I'm trying to kill you and I bust my ass on the stairs, I'm just going to go home. I'd be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> like just fry me and let me go home. <laughs> and it's they they also show that these characters have some sort of uh, some, they have some sort of like emotion behind what they're doing because here in this scene, they're, they're, the fight scene does. Uh, does continue between Sydney and Ghostface, and he has her pinned down at some point. He slams her into the ground, and he reaches up and has a knife up here, like he's going to kill her, and then doesn't. Um, like he takes the time to like go up in this big grand gesture, and does all this other stuff. And you know, essentially, the scene ends. She's freaked out somehow. She doesn't immediately leave the house and go somewhere. She decides to go to bed <laughs> just because, like, that's what you do. Um, well, no, didn't her boyfriend show up? Don't yeah, show Bill, up? yeah. She, she she goes to bed and Billy shows up, and she's like, "Oh, thank God, Billy!" And then he drops a 1996 cell phone. I'm surprised it didn't break the floor. Um, <laughs> no, that I think that was before the Nokia break. So, like. It might have been not as. Mm-hmm. I'm turning into Brad doing this, but I Cinema Sense actually points out that um, in 1996, it's not everyone had cell phones. That immediately was a, a <laughs> of, uh, suspicion on Billy. Like, uh, why do you have a cell phone, Playboy? <laughs> do you think there's a thing where it's almost like um, they wanted to make it so obvious? That we wouldn't be like, oh, of course it's him, a boyfriend. Like, or, or maybe it's just thinking too far into it. I mean, it could have been. Like, I, you know, one thing I want, I want to talk about, like, this whole scene, including the the scene that sort of follows, because we, we start to realize what's what's happening later on, because, you know, Billy gets arrested because Sydney obviously you know, suspects him of being Ghostface. Billy goes to jail. His father gets him out because his, his dad has power in that town. Or he um, explains his cell phone. He explains his cell phone. He's Ooh. he's rather privileged. Sorry. Uh, we, go ahead. We sort of skipped over a small part. That is yeah. my favorite scare of the whole movie. When she runs downstairs, opens the door, oh, and he oh, has, has the mask. I still jump. I still jump at it. 
Yeah, I thought that was incredibly smart. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and, and, but yeah, then we go back to the school the next day and we're introduced to the mother Fawns, <laughs> aka Henry Winkler playing the uh, principal Hibri. Um, and we, we see some interesting things because at some point, you know, the kids are legitimately messing with Sydney at this point. Like, here's a kid that runs through the hall dressed as Ghostface. Um, That's so high school, though, you know? Like, also, can, can we quickly point out, and this is my my, my gripe, especially because this is 90s casting, and they did it on everything. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to make a movie set with these people in high school, but let's cast these 30-something-year-old actors. <laughs> but real quick, I'm honestly wondering if in the 90s it was illegal to cast high schoolers in high school films because... <laughs> no, you had Boy Meets World. Just saying, it, it definitely wasn't TV illegal. <laughs> I think I think the whole thing was because you even looked at stuff like um, like uh, like nine hundred two one zero things like that. The, all the actors were, were definitely people that were would not be in high school, um, and not to say that you needed to cast age appropriate people. But these were quite clearly people with mortgages. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. You know, it was it was kind of you know interesting for that point, and I feel like every everybody brings that up about movies from back in the nineties that the cast was always much older than what they were supposed to be acting as. Um, but I mean, all all the all the power in the world to you if you are someone who can play that because you you still look rather young or whatnot. You know, don't want to be ageist in in our approach to dealing with this film. Um, however. Uh, we do ended up with a scene because things do get rough for Sydney. I, mean, I do want to quickly point out she punches Courtney Cox in the face because <laughs> Gail is outside of the school and brings up her dead mom. <laughs> I like and, that. It also just felt like it went against every trope of like horror movie final girls before that, you know, where like I feel if this is set like in the 80s, she's like, oh, that's so upsetting. And then like ran away. But no, she's going to punch her in the face. Like yeah. she's a fighter. I love that. Yeah, like Sydney. Sydney does not does not mess around with the things that occur to her. Um, but she, she does. You know, all the things are starting to get to her, and she ends up going to the bathroom where she's attacked again by Ghostface. And I think that was a great point that the movie tried to make is that she was not safe. Like any of the places you thought she would be safe, like she goes to school, you think she's going to be safe there, and she is not. Um, and. <laughs> You know, then you have the whole scene with Principal Hembry getting mad at the students for, you know, the ghost face costumes and whatnot. And, uh, however, he dies very quickly after that by getting stabbed by Ghostface. And while that is of importance, we got to shout out Wes Craven being Freddy Krueger in the hallway as a janitor. <laughs> and looking as creepy as he possibly can. Yeah, the like, horror maestro. For and, real, and, for real. and it wasn't wasn't the janitor's name Fred? I I cannot remember the janitor's name. Would not surprise me though. I kind of want to talk about like the levity in Ghostface. Like he's he such like balls, and he yeah. I don't mind. Yeah, he's such like a, a like a comical slasher. Like and it's like unbelievable. You know. Yeah. Like, it's like, you, you know, we, we think about like Michael Myers and Jason who are like, you know, just walk really fast when no one's looking. But it, when you think about this, like this guy's like chasing after you, he's hopping over stuff, but he falls down and it feels like a real chase. 
with somebody, you know? Um, you know, like when you're messing with your cousins and like, you know, you take their Game Boy and they're chasing after you. Like he has that energy where he just pops up and he's still after you and it's it's manic, it's frenetic and it's terrifying. And um yeah, I think that's what makes him stand out as a number of things that this movie does. Um Yeah, I, I definitely like that. <clears throat> I, I didn't necessarily like how the very next scene is they literally throw a big ass party. <laughs> like, it's, it was just like, um, how do we? It's basically like, how do we make up a means for everybody to be there so we can sort of wrap the film up? Yeah, but let, let's face it. Uh, if anything bad happens, like, what do teenagers do? Oh yeah, let's just throw a giant house party. They're huh? going to drink regardless. Teenagers are going to drink regardless. They, they Adults are going to drink. Powder. I'm going to drink. Project X. Have you seen this podcast? <laughs> yeah. But, like it, it's, I, yeah, I, 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 I get the point. Yeah. <laughs> like there, there was there was definitely a decision there to be like, so how do we get, guys, so how do we get them all, all together? Uh, party? Well, a whole bunch of people just died in their town. Party? Party. Okay. <laughs> with that party, they were home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is skipping ahead, but my favorite thing about that the last, I guess, like half hour was uh, when uh, Matthew Laird's character, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Stu. Yeah, Stu. He's like, oh, my parents are going to be so pissed at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that was great. Uh, but yeah, so we, we get this really, we get this party scene and, you know, it, the, the characters are doing things that, you know, I feel like, at least for me, we're sort of like, hey, you know, all the, like, your friend just got murdered and like all these killings are happening in town and these horrible things are happening. Let's just all get in one place. Um, but also during this time, uh, we get probably, at least to me, like the coolest kill of the movie, which is when Tatum goes out to the garage to get beer and she is, comes back and she sees Ghostface on the stairwell. She does not think it's him and he yeah. cuts her arm with the knife and she, you know, fight, she fights him off and what was she, she literally, he flips over her onto the stairs. Shout out to the stuntmen in this movie because they took some falls. Um, yeah, real and, but then she, because the garage door won't open, she tries to crawl through like the cat or dog door. Like, <laughs> And yeah, I'm pointing out that that scene is BS. Yeah, uh, but it's it, so par- cool. partially. <laughs> no, it's a great. It's a cool scene. But I remember being a kid at my parents' house, and my dad would open the garage door, and me and my brother would try to hang on to it because we're little psychos, and it would <laughs> barely move. I can like just us, imagine you know, freaking. One of us would hang on to it and it would barely move. This is a full grown fing woman. As like someone who's not a parent, I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. But like when I think about it, if I was a parent seeing that, I'd be like, holy shit, get off of there. Get off of there. Yeah. I, so someone probably should have told Rose McGowan's character not to do that because somehow they had the world's, they had the world's strongest garage door. They had door. the world's strong, like most powerful garage door opener, not yeah. the garage door, the opener. Because she goes so up. Open this thing. Right. She goes up and it crushes her head. <laughs> like, it, it's. It is. It's wild. Like 
can you imagine if like you had a dog and that's how your dog died? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, oh. it's it, it was you know it was that was wild. I it, to me it's still like one of the more it's one of the more like creative kills that they did. Um, which also cause so if the beer was only in the garage. So when other people went to get beer, they didn't just see her body just hanging there? Like, nobody said anything? Yeah, that's the real thing. thought it was decoration. Like, Halloween. Okay. Yeah, she, okay, so she went up there and grabbed, like, five beers. So there's, like, at least three or four other people waiting on her. That's you mean to tell me she went out there to get beer, and one of these bastards wasn't sitting at the couch like, where the hell is this girl? She told me she would get me a beer. It's been about 30 minutes. If it was one of the four of us, we would have found her in three minutes. Let's just say that. She would have been saved. More or less. More or less. Oh, yeah. We would have saved her life. Well, it was, yeah. Well, I mean, after that, uh, Billy shows up, um, and there's a scene with Sydney. And it's sort of like Sydney trying to break down her walls with her boyfriend. Um, however, after that, the party the party spills out because they hear news about the principal, um, principal being killed. Well, after this, though... I'm sorry. He's hung on the, he's hung on the goalposts. Things. Yeah, the goalposts. Yeah, and it's like, let's go look at it. Like, they're going to go th- take selfies. or they, they just clear out. And, like, it's so... I, I just... I, yeah, I, well, I don't want to insult a certain part of the audience. Well, here, here's the thing, though. The, the writers of the film said they, at that point, they had wrote themselves into a corner. They're like, well, we put all these people in a party. How do we get them out? And they didn't realize... They didn't they didn't know how to do it. They're like, uh, uh, well, let's make something like they're so upset that their principal has died. They they all need to go home. And I'm just like, that's not how that that that, that was like. Hey, let's go see. <laughs> drink more, I think. <laughs> or like, not, they probably wouldn't have left, you know. Yeah, like I th- I realistically, I think they probably would also they would all been in shock and probably just stayed there, you know, out yeah. of safety precautions. But they needed a way to get the the final cast in there. So after this, though, um, upstairs. Uh, Billy and Sydney are attacked by Ghostface, and Billy is stabbed. Stabbed. <laughs> Quotation marks. Um, and Sydney goes out of a window. <laughs> this is like, goes out of a window and falls onto the world's softest boat. Um, <laughs> okay, well, okay. Yeah, like, what? Like, alright. I no. know that some of the wait. I know some boats like on the seats they'll have like a light cushioning. That they you know, like, one of like, them boats. Bro. No, she did not land on. She didn't even land on a seated part of the boat. She landed on the boat. Bro, <laughs> where, where she landed, she would have. She would have landed on. She would have landed on the the damn wheel. Like she would have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, I have no idea this how movie she's... ended. Right there. <laughs> like, like, the but, kept her moving. like what not... are they hiding under their mattresses? <laughs> right? So somehow she survives that. She, she's, double, maybe. She, she's the luckiest person in the world, has landed has landed on the world's softest boat. Well, she runs to get help from Kenny, who they find outside. Because um, now she's not going to ask questions about why this dude is outside her house. Mm-hmm. Um, not gonna ask questions. And I then thought goes, it wasn't her house. I thought no, it was not uh, her house. It's uh, the Stu's house. Sorry, it's just Stu's house. And um, and then you know, Ghostface slits Kenny's throat, and Kenny, Kenny, the cameraman, is no more. <laughs> and, and they played the trick with like, there's an delay in the camera feed. We don't know if he's here or where he's at. And it's like, but he was just inside. The door is open. And then they look back and it's. But which is funny because right this the the direct scene before then 
uh, Jamie Kennedy's character is watching Halloween. Yes. And Ghostface is coming up behind him and he's gonna stab him. And he's like, and he's watching, he's like, turn around, Jamie. Jamie, look behind you, Jamie. And it's just like so meta at that moment. And then all of a sudden, you know, Ghostface like just turns around because he sort of realizes what's happening. Like, and you know, then we get Kenny dying. Cindy again scrambles and somehow, which I don't I don't know how this kind of works out, you know, they, they kind of scramble. And it, it's kind of weird because, you know, Gail and Dewey end up showing up there. They were involved in, you know, some shit earlier. Uh, There's real no consequence there. But <laughs> Dewey ends up getting stabbed by Ghostface um, while he's trying to investigate the house. And Sydney um, takes his gun. Um, Smart. Yeah. So, you know, Stu and Randy show up. They kind of, you know, accuse each other of being the killers. Um However, they find out that Billy is still alive <laughs> somehow, and she gives Billy the gun. Also, I, I didn't talk about how Sydney ended up locking herself in a police car, um, and somehow what? he popped. Somehow, one of the Ghostface popped out of the back of the police car after she locked himself into the police car with Ghostface on the outside. Um, I love that whole sequence. Like, I, I love those chase sequences in horror movies like that. Like. It starts in the house. She's in the attic. She goes out the window, hits the boat, follows her out, chases her through the uh, the news van, and then to the car. Like I, I love cat and mouse stuff like that. Always my favorite stuff to watch. Yeah, yeah, but it just it doesn't make sense. the The cop car does not make sense. However, oh yeah, not at all. However, when she gets out of the cop car, the trunk is open. Which signifies he could have snuck in through the trunk, but, but she there have been, it's it's a police car, so there should have been a detainment uh, wall. Yeah, there. not necessarily. Not all police vehicles are equipped with a detainment wall. It depends on the vehicle. Shout out to Scream Two, which has an excellent sequence with a containment wall. Okay, so anywho, so they go on. <laughs> she hands Billy the gun, and then Billy turns around and shoots Randy. Um, and that's when we get the whole, you know, hello, Sydney, like, you know, with the voice changer. You find out that Stu and Billy are the killers, like we did. And this is where I call bullshit. What? Right. Br- Brad, Brad, this Brad, is Brad, where I am calling bullshit. Okay, so she points out to him that, like, oh, well, maybe if you would have used your one call in jail, who did you call? Oh, I called my dad. Oh, but I thought your dad was there. Oh, yeah. Well, would I have called you? Well, of course, in the movie, they're saying, oh, yes, he called her with his one call from jail. However, Ghostface is always using a voice changer. They would not have let him use a phone with a voice changer. Period. And that that was Stu that did the call, right? No, he did the call. They blatantly make it to where he's the one who makes the call but he doesn't have a voice changer because he's in goddamn jail mm, yeah so, he had to be out of jail no, before then to make no, the call which would make no, sense no and no done yeah there's there a lot of sort of like inconsistencies here because after this we start to we get told their their grand plan which is they wanted to frame Sydney's dad for the murders that yeah. they're doing what the? be, because Sydney's mom slept with Billy's dad which made his mom leave their family and so as a result he's upset in his feelings and he wants to kill 
Sydney and blame the dad. But along the way, he has to kill all these other people first because. But why? Why doesn't he just kill his dad for being a douchebag? Um, because he doesn't want to blame his dad. Because that's you know it wouldn't make the movie. Also, also they had all this time in the world to kill Sydney's dad, but they kept him alive. Yeah. Well, they should have just killed him and then pointed well, it. Well, their whole thing was they. I think they they wanted. They said they were going to kill Sydney, and then shoot the dad. So that so it would look like it was a suicide, but that doesn't really. Uh, make... You know what? It could have been like if they killed the dad like three days before the autopsy yeah. report would have said. Oh like, yeah, you know, that's fair. He's three that's days fair. old. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. I figured that. And out. Said, and that that's Billy's reasoning. Stu's reasoning is meh. <laughs> just sounded like a good thing to do. Like he was. Oh, but Bill, Billy, you stabbed me real deep, man. <laughs> like, leaving the books for me. Yeah, yeah. So after this, in order to make things seem real, that so the police will buy their story, they decide to stab each other. Like that, they were attacked by Ghostface and survived. So mm. they stab each other, but they get a little trigger happy. <laughs> Just, yeah, um, and it's sort of like, man, that, that's a huge risk to take, you know. I mean, it's also though you. This is a pretty integral moment, at least for Sydney's character, because we also find out those two are the ones who murdered Sydney's mom. Dun, dun, um, and so after that, though, we find out Gail, who was involved in a crash, um, survived, and uh, she has the gun that Sydney had. Um, she, tried to pull, she tries to pull the trigger. Dark pepper. It is. It is a Dr. Pepper. We are recording back to back, and it's I've worked a, in the yeah. early in the morning. So, so I, I am. Yeah. I, I am joining Avery today. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah. So she, you uh, know what? Hold on. The beer noise that just played will go in reverse now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <Arista>? <laughs> but yeah, she um she tries to pull the trigger. Doesn't know she has a safety on. In which case, they didn't attack her and take advantage of it. However, Sydney takes this time to take her own advantage and bounces. They go looking for her, and then Sydney pops out the goddamn closet, <laughs> dressed as Ghostface, yes. somehow. How she stabs him with an umbrella. She stole the mask, too. Yeah, she stole the mask, too. Stabs she him with an clear. umbrella repeatedly, and then gets into a fight with Stu, where they yeah. get into a full MMA fight in the living room. <laughs> she would. And, like, you don't see that in, like, other 80s films, you know? Other 80s films, like, oh, no, I gotta run up the stairs and outside and into the woods. And, nope. no, she's like, nah, you know the address. Pull up. Cindy <laughs> <laughs> was like, look, these hands are prescribed for that ass today. <laughs> and then she drops an old-school CRTV on his head. <laughs> man, man, you remember carrying those TVs? Those things were heavy. Yeah, like, they had decks on them. Like, come on. Drop it on his head, though. It went screen first, which then electrified his ass. Like, that was great. He was not showing up in the sequels. Like, oh, it, also, shout out to the person in kindergarten that told me that the way she killed him was like, oh, she stabbed him with the umbrella. And then what? Then she, like, put her finger in the wound and killed him. Like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. As a kindergartner, I was like, that... That doesn't sound real. You didn't watch the ending either. Did Even you? little little was like, that doesn't track. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so you know, she ends up, 
she, she ends up killing Stu with the TV. Uh, Billy kind of awakens from his super and attacks Sydney, and then Gail shoots him because she finally found the damn safety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Gross. Yeah. Oh, the, the other part, it's like, was it Randy's? Yeah, Randy, Randy shows up right afterwards, and they're all standing over Billy's body, and they're like, and Randy's like, and this would be the part of the horror film where the killer rises for one last scare. And then Sydney's <laughs> like, ah! He like jumps up, and Sydney, with no hesitation, just bow! Just shot to the dome. No hesitation. She's so he's waiting on that. <laughs> Sydney got some bodies in her background she ain't telling nobody about. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So and that actually gets us to the end of the movie, where Dewey's still alive, Randy's still alive, Sydney's still alive, and Gail is still alive. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and Gail gets to tell the story. Um, she gets to be the one that, that breaks the story. Um, and so yeah, that's sort of end screen. But little known fact, this movie was actually inspired by real killings. Apparently, Ooh, it, was, it was inspired by the real life case of the Gainesville Ripper. Um, so yeah, that sounds terrifying. I got. I have to research it. <laughs> like, like it's you know, there's there's some legitimately like creepy, like true crime um, serial killer stuff out there. Um, there, matter of fact, due to Scream and the popularity that it that it spawned, there was actually a set of uh, Scream copycat killers that that occurred around oh, right at the same time. I uh, I heard about that. Um, and yeah, it's it's unfortunate that people took this movie as <laughs> it took it as an instruction manual on what to do. Um, but uh, that stated, though, guys, uh, we come to the end sort of a review. Um, what do, what do you guys how do you guys feel about Scream? Like, was there a particular part you liked or better yet? Let's go with favorite death of the movie. What was everybody's favorite kill? I mean, the garage door. <laughs> the garage door is just. Yeah, I got to follow. It's that so, door. <laughs> you know, what? it almost plays on our own fears of just like Final Destination stuff with like terrible accidents happening. It's like one of the few that doesn't involve a knife, and it's just sort of, it, it, it just sort of fits into like the wacky world of wacky, or to scream per se, and I, 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 that's still my favorite kill, and as I mentioned earlier, my favorite sequence is that chase sequence in the end, and I, I love that cat and mouse stuff where you're sitting in the theater holding your breath as she um, hides from the killer inside the car, and he has the keys, and she's slapping the locks, and you know that... That, that, that's the fun stuff about horror movies for me is that that tension holding your breath and being exciting about being excited about these things nice. Brad what was your favorite kill I'd have to go with the principal just cause like the principal it's like you feel like yeah there's some suspense there but you're like oh he's safe he, you know there, there are people around you know you just saw the janitors there you know, who's really going to go after the principal? But, like, you know, he gets mangled and whatnot. Um, but but also, like, my favorite scene, not kill, is, like, the uh, the scene where... Um, what's her name? The main character. I, Sydney. I Sydney. Uh, where she's first being harassed by Ghostface. Um, uh, at her, uh, at her house? Yeah. Yeah, and her boyfriend comes in through the window, and it's, like, kind of this whole terrifying moment of is he gonna get her is he not gonna get her type thing uh so that that's my favorite scene but yeah the favorite kill is gonna be the principal chris what's your favorite kill uh 
the opening scene, Drew Barrymore scene in particular. Ooh, that's good, yeah. Iconic. A reason for that, not only for that, it was uh, leading up to it where she's on the front porch and her parents literally just come home and they can't hear her. Yeah. So, and that feeling of helplessness from the parents. Yeah, it's... Yeah. And, and it's, they... Then, uh, like she still has then, a phone in her hand so they can hear their daughter's last word, like, last moments. Like, that's pretty... Yeah. Pretty, and pretty then tough. they go, then they see her all hanging up in a tree. Yeah, which is then, because if I remember correctly, after that, the, the kids are talking about Casey's death, and they're talking yeah. about, they're talking about, like, he put her liver in the mailbox. <laughs> like, Oof. like, it's like, it's fucked up. Um, like, Scream, Scream was one of those those movies that really played on the visceral side of things. Um mm-hmm. I have to follow Buddy though. My favorite scene, is, favorite kill is that the garage door, just because of like the, the insanity of it. Um, but also too, because I think it plays up that that panic mode. Like I feel like yes, mm-hmm. we, we 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 think about what would we do in these sorts of situations, and had she thought more calmly, what what could she have done? Ghostface is by the door. And so there's not really anywhere else she could go. And plus, the garage door itself isn't isn't really opening. So she just she she goes for the first thing she can find, which is the, the cat and or dog door. Um, but also, like I I think you know this this film had a lot of points that that caused you know filmmakers that followed it to really think about how they approach the horror genre. And I think that's the most important part about covering Scream is thinking about the way that cinema changed forever because of it. Um, it, it really changed our perception on horror movies and, and the things we did because as, like I said right after this we got a lot of quote unquote cap, copycat films which we got I Know What You Did last summer which so good which you know in, in like instantly intimately bonded Nev Campbell and Jennifer Love Hewitt mm-hmm. um, also those two movies are very very different tone, like films tonally um, mm-hmm. also we got Sarah Michelle Gellar in I Know What You Did last summer uh, coming off of Buffy uh, that stated, guys, I, I think it's about time we get to that deliberation. However, before we do that, let's take a moment to hear about our Patreon. Hey guys, it's Avery. Before we get to the deliberation, we wanted to take a quick second to tell you about our Patreon. It's no secret that running a podcast is an expensive and time-intensive endeavor. However, you can help us continue to bring you this show, as well as assist us in making it better by subscribing to our Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you gain access to our entire listening catalog, including all of our old episodes, Patreon-exclusive episodes of our chill-out show, The Tavern, episodes of our Real Play Roleplay show, The Drunken Dungeon, and so much more. Patrons also gain access to special perks, such as early access to episodes whenever possible, gaining the ability to suggest what movie we review next, getting a shout-out in a future episode, and even adding to the ever-growing list of Chris's nicknames. You guys know you want to do that. We couldn't do this podcast without your support. Every little bit helps. So, if you like what we do and want to support us, consider subscribing to our Patreon. The link can be found in the show notes. Again, thank you guys for your support, and let's get back to the show. Chris! Alright guys, we are back, and it is time for our deliberation. Uh, we're going to see exactly what the Brudus give 2000... Good lord. Give 1996's Scream. Um, before we get to that, guys, the Bruise and Reviews dudes, do not rate movies based on how good they are, but rather how drunk you need to be to enjoy them. We rate movies on a scale of one to five beers, with one being a beer simply for your own enjoyment, and five meaning you need all the beers to enjoy that film. 
Also, each breeder is given exactly one special zero beer review per season to help even out a help even out the score for a movie that they particularly like. For this season, only one Brewdude has used his zero beer review. Bradley haven't used his beer have used a zero beer review on Nights of Bad Ass. So three zero beer reviews are still in the running in case things get hazy. Um, so we will see what's going on. So guys, what do we give 1996's Scream? And we'll start with the person who actually recommended the film, Buddy. Gonna give it a one. Um, I cannot give it a zero because I'm gonna save that for something special. I'm not sure what that is just yet, but um, well, I mean, the, season, the season's it. almost over. The season's almost over. It's gonna reset soon. You know, <laughs> yeah, you I, I still got this, time, you but got, I, I just want to leave got off the with rest that. of Oktoberfest and then four more films, and we're done. Who knows? We might watch the starts. Matrix, and I might. <laughs> We pretty much already pretty much already have our Novembers. We already have all of our most we have all of our Oktoberfest. And then December is a Christmas movie plus insert holiday movie. So the Matrix takes place during I don't even know. Um <laughs> I, I I'm just gonna say one for right now. It, uh, it takes our, place during uh, like Arbor Day. Yeah, Arbor Day. Maybe like National Coffee Day. Mm, see, that might give it a zero just off of that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm going to give it a one. It um, it not only revolutionized the horror genre, it revitalized it. It is the granddaddy of horror films. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I would give it a one, but I say watch it after five beers because it's that fun. It is funny it is scary it still holds up after all these years um i thoroughly enjoyed each and every second of this film and most of its sequels we don't talk about three um but yeah uh scream i'm just gonna give it a one all right so we'll go to bradley what do you give scream um this is a difficult one for me uh because i appreciate scream but I've never really liked Scream. If that makes sense. Like, I appreciate what it did for for horror movies and for, like, revitalizing the slasher film. Sure, sure. Um, but to me, it's not really a horror movie. Like, there, there's enough comical elements to where it's like, is this really a horror movie? Um, now, that being said, is it a bad movie? Absolutely not. So I'm actually going to give it a two. Chris, what about you? I'm with Buddy on this one. I think Brad's assessment's wrong for, well, just about every reason, because it's Brad, mostly. I was actually surprised how well this held up. Uh, This being over 20 years old, I guess, by now. Yeah, close to it. Close to it. Very, very close to it. Very close to it. Uh, The block, the scene where they're all in, like, like, the Blockbuster. Yeah, that, to me, that was funny, because, like... We didn't talk about that scene, really. No, we didn't. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, this, like, that's like just all the nostalgia. The, nostalgia. Yeah. Well, the thing is, when I go through the movies, like when I do the breakdowns, it's just me trying to just like hit the high points because if I talk about every scene, we're going to be here forever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it held up. We tried I, that on our first film. Yeah, yeah we I, tried. Was, <laughs> I was well aware of like what the outcome was. I've seen this, like, I think all of us have seen this movie a couple times. Yeah. But I, I still enjoyed the lead up to it, even though I knew who it was. And then just like knowing that, also, you see like the subtle hints in there, so that made it even better. 
Let's talk about the real thing, the Budweiser commercials and the scary movie thing that came off after that. What's that? What's that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which to me is still hilarious after close no, to 20 so years. It, it gave the Dudley boys a signature move. <laughs> and, and, you know, Chris, and, this is over 20 years. And Budweiser, Brad, no one's Oh, yes, it, right it, is, it is over 20 years because it's 1996, 2000. Yeah, it's wow, wow, well, yeah. Well, so we're going to almost 30 years. Anyways, it, it's, a one, it's a one. It's it's a classic for a reason. It's, and to round I, us up. I didn't even give him mine. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying, to round yeah. us up. I actually agree with Brad. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a few times I agree with Brad. Um, I... I, I, I think Matrix Saber. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the Matrix multiple times. <laughs> I um I give this movie a two mainly because I think this is a movie that would be a lot more fun if you're drunk, or at least a little buzzed. Um, <laughs> mainly because like it is one of those like Scream as a horror movie still works with horror, but it's also a very tongue in cheek horror movie. Um, it knows exactly what it is. Uh, and it, it is it is not one of those films that is going to you know make you really think about things. Um, however, I do give it props for what it did accomplish with the genre and launching a lot of people's careers. Because I know, like I said, it launched Neff Campbell's career and a lot of the other people in it. You know, did a lot more work after this film. Um, there are definitely some points where I'm just like, what the? F-? You know, it's super super 90s, super 90s. Like, and you can't take that away from it. And yeah, there's some nostalgia points from like the blockbuster, but I'm just, you know, I, I think being someone who writes and someone who is, you know, partially part of our jobs are being film critics, uh, and that we we are um, very critical of things and we, we try to you know, think about them in a vacuum. And I, I think watching this film nowadays, it, like I said, it'd be a little bit better if you were a little bust. So that way you can just sort of like, Turn your brain off and not think about like that. That doesn't make sense, or that doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> so I I give it a two for that reason alone. So that's two ones and a two. So what is what is our score? Hey, that's a one point five. Right. Hey. So the brew dudes give two. Damn it! The third time give nineteen ninety sixes scream a one point five. What is that? That's like a beer and a. Hold on, I'm gonna get a beer from the garage. I'll be right back. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, uh, this was actually, you know, it was a fun one to go down memory lane and to actually learn a little bit about it. Um, with that being stated, guys, uh, thank you for joining us for this week's episode. But before we let you guys head out, we always like to send you out with something a little more positive, a little something happy. Um, so I want to know what you guys are currently geeking on. What is on your mind? What has your attention outside of the realm of cinema? And uh, I'm going to start with uh, Chris. What are you currently geeking on, sir? Uh, so being a martial artist, uh, I was on the Amazon, and that's a dangerous place to go. Just in general, <laughs> that's a dangerous place to go. Yeah, in general. <laughs> yeah, in general. So uh, I picked up a couple books, uh, kind of outside the realm of what I normally uh, practice. So uh, I can't remember the guy. It, it's way across the, the other side of the room, but it's uh, basically. Uh, German sword techniques and it's basically this dude where, where, and if you follow the uh, European uh, historic European martial arts stuff it's one of 
the curriculums they go off of, but essentially is a whole this guy wrote down a whole system for like sword fighting, uh, staff fighting, basically anything from like this was written in like 1570 something, I think. Then the other one is uh, it's actually a pretty dense read. Uh, some gentleman essentially went to like the low country of like the low country in America and then researched like the diaspora of martial arts from like Africa and how it broke down to the United States. So that's been an interesting read. It's insanely dense, but it's so far so good. So that's what I'm geeking on. Reading. Hey, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with reading. Um, I guess we'll go with Bradley. What are you currently geeking on, sir? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm geeking on, on fitness as weird as that sounds. Uh, you know, we're, we're the fitness guys as well. Uh, I do super swole bros, but I recently did my first Spartan race since Jan- since February of 2020. Uh, not only was it my first Spartan race, but it was the longest Spartan race as it was 14 miles almost. Um, and it kicked my ass. So I realized, uh, I need to start kind of training again for those type of things. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing Tahoe Spartan Race uh, Beast next year, 2022. Um, my goal is to beat my time of last year, or not last year, 2019. 2019, I did it in four hours and 15 minutes. This year, I did it in six hours and 30 minutes. So, watch the screens. So my goal is to is to get that four hour mark again uh, for next year. Um, but uh, you know, so uh, uh, Avery, I want to throw it back at you. Uh, what are you kicking on? Uh, yeah, um, for me, kind of like Chris, it's definitely a lot of um, a lot of martial arts stuff, um, particularly boxing. Um, in May, I so I sort of just picked up the sport of boxing. I've always been a fan of boxing, but. Um, all my martial arts experiences were more traditional martial arts. And so when I got into boxing, I kind of just did it for like fitness reasons. But now I've gotten more into coaching and, you know, working with uh, working with our students. So that's always fun. Um, and so, you know, getting 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 to to work with people and, you know, have people that I know are going to be fighting, um, helping them prepare is really cool. Uh, other than that, uh, I have been reading a lot. <laughs> um, I have, have a lot of a lot of I have a lot of books in my my pile of shame that I still have to get through uh, to co-op a phrase from Warhammer. Um, um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of books that I've just not you know I'm not finished that I need to get through. Um, and so yeah, I've been working on those uh, and. Yeah. Oh, and the last thing, it's weird. I've, um, I started journaling. Um, yeah, yeah. I started journaling. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll make it no secret. I'm a big fan of like mental health advocacy. And, um, you know, I, I think journaling definitely helps to get out some of those negative emotions, um, when you're feeling them. And so, yeah. So if you can't, yeah. So if you can't talk to someone, write it down, uh, talk it into your, you know, Apple memo notes or whatever, you know, do whatever, man, you do whatever helps you out. Um, you know, mental, mental health is health. So, so please take, take that stuff very seriously. 
And uh, yeah, but that's me. And so it's Lee's. Uh, yeah, that's me. But Lee's buddy. Um, but yeah. um, uh, why, 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 why do you have a voice recorder? I I know I've been. Hello, Clarice. How are you? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't. Dude, you don't really have to watch a scary movie. Good guy, guys. I, I don't. Silence of the Lambs. Guys, I, I don't. Haven't seen that. It's so good. Um, Dude, I, I got McDonald's at my door, man. I need to get Ooh, I'm sort of jealous. What'd you get? You get that filet of fish? Yeah, what, I bet. Buddy, why, why is there a knife on your desk? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's just, that, that's a knife from, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, you know? Y'all are seeing this too, right? Just chilling. Yeah. Chillin'. Not, not a little bit, though. Just don't worry about it. I got that. Yeah, I'm gonna get a go. Yeah, guys. I need to go. So, 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 we're gonna that. Just delete that. Play the cops come. You're gonna delete it. No. So, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we gotta we gotta go. Let me tell you what I've been geeking on. Let me show you what I've been geeking on. No, no, no. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. So, until next time. We ain't about that life. We ain't about that life. Yeah, guys, so for, mm, until ne- not until next time, left again. <laughs> for, for the Brew Dudes, I'm Avery, your buddy, Chris, and Brad, and we'll see you guys at the movies. Yeah, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episodes of Brews and Reviews. As always, Brews and Reviews would like to thank you for tuning in, and if you liked what you just listened to, please subscribe to the podcast, give them a like, leave a review, comment on the episodes, and tell your friends about the cast as it really helps the algorithm get the show out there. If you want to follow the Brew Dudes on social media, check them out at the Brewcast Crew on Twitter and the Brews and Reviews Pod on Instagram, where they post information about current and upcoming episodes, and so that you never miss a second of their drunken adventures. The Brews and Reviews podcast drops regular episodes the first and second Wednesdays of each month, as well as special deep cuts episodes once a month, and is available on every major streaming service, so be sure to check back for more inebriated mishaps. So, until next episode, we'll see you guys at the movies. Bye!